afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast from the NAFB annual convention taking place in Kansas City, Missouri. And I tell you, the markets are about as gloomy as the weather is here in Kansas City as we are going to get all the details about what is happening today from Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. And nice to say in person, just a quick uh, quick drive over. Thanks for leaving the office to, to come over and do this Fontenelle Final Bell. It's great to always be with you, Susan. It's such a fun time and we always have a great time doing the shows together in person especially let's talk about the give back that's going on in this marketplace today i want to say that this is probably a precursor to 2020 and you know we thought 2019 was fairly rough i think 2020 in terms of volatility is going to be even rougher um, mainly because the, there's a lot more at stake in 2020 with the U.S.-China trade negotiations. And I think looking at Wednesday's trade versus Tuesday's trade, you have to sit back and say, what's the big difference between those two? And I think it goes back to the public impeachment hearings. There is, a, I think, a cord or a direct line attached to the U.S. dollar being a safe haven, the gold and silver being a safe haven. Those commodities, those equities, they were up. Uh, on Wednesday, Susan, at the at the loss of commodities going down in, in the livestock and in, in agriculture as a whole. I think when you talk impeachment, you talk Hong Kong protests, you talk reasons why a phase one deal won't get done, and I think commodities are the path of least resistance as to how to get bearish a U.S.-China trade deal not going through, and I think that's where commodities are the short side of an asset class right now. Very frustrating for many that wanted to see this push through. It's just like it's the carrot being hung in front of the rabbit and it's being teased. Yeah, and I think it really did change the calculus for the Chinese leader, Xi Jinping, uh, when the public hearings for uh, impeachment of our U.S. president uh, were announced. And not unlike what happened back in May when we had the 150-page deal pretty much all marked up and ready to go, and then all of a sudden something changed politically, and that changed their calculus as well. I would say on our side, on the Trump administration side, you have uh, a Hong Kong protest, you have Taiwan, you still have North Korea. All these three major foreign policy issues are wrapped and intertwined in our, in our trade deal uh, as well. And so we're at the center of that in the commodity sector. I'm not bearish 2020. I just think it's going to be volatile. And I think guys are going to have to stick with their program and not get shaken out of the tree. That's going to be the most important thing is having things down, writing it down, having a plan in place. So you don't let the emotion take over your market. Yeah, and you, you know, say for instance, uh, Tyson came out with their earnings, and uh, the head of Tyson, Noel White, said in their conference call uh, with uh, shareholders that uh, we're going to essentially lose five to six percent of the global protein supplies in 2020, going into 2021. That's going to be good news for grain demand because most of that's going to come back in the form of compound feeding. And that's going to come back in the form of higher usages of corn and soy meal. So when I first got in the business in 1995, it was always taught to me by the ag economists and the people that I work for that the livestock led the grain markets up and they let them down. That was before ethanol. I think we're heading back towards that time period where the livestock, the global protein markets, are going to be leading the grains out of the hole other than the weather and the supply side. So... Seeing what we're seeing going on today, knowing that the impeachment um, continues with those issues, countries like Brazil, Argentina, are they just kind of sitting in the, the background just waiting to pounce again? Yeah, great question because there's two different things going on right now. Brazil has just announced that they're going to try and get a free 
trade pact signed with China that just announced on Wednesday morning. I'm wondering if that's not part of the breakdown in the commodity markets as well, and whether that's some headline news that's hitting some of the price action as well. Argentina's completely different situation. I think the the a likelihood of default by some of the people that keep track of their debt load is up to 97% in 2020. A default in Argentina, which I believe happened in 2001, will probably tend to send the dollar higher like it did in 2001, but it also probably limits their export capability. So I don't think it's all bad news, but Argentina and Brazil are going to be, I think, two very different countries in 2020 compared to what we've seen in the last 10 years. How are we seeing them ramp up production? Well, the Argentine farmer moved very aggressively on selling ahead before the big presidential election. The farmer called it right. The Peronists, the more socialist group, got back into power, but the farmer had already sold. So the farmer's light on in terms of being able to sell much. I think that's going to continue all the way into spring because they have a pretty severe drought in the Pampas region of Argentina. If you would ask me what's more likely to go down in production, Brazil or Argentina, when it comes to corn, beans, and wheat, I would definitely put it more on the side of Argentina. So that takes the number two world grain exporter maybe out of the picture for part of our marketing year next year. A real bright spot, I think. Which is something we need at this point. We do, because all we've relied upon now, Susan, because of the demand issue in the U.S.-China trade negotiations, the lack of USMCA being passed, you know, not getting a European trade deal. We did get the Japanese trade deal. But without these demand-led trade deals, we have to rely upon supply and rely upon weather. Well, by nature, weather and volatility, supply and volatility go hand-in-hand. The rallies happen very quickly, but they end very quickly, typically, as well. I was going to ask you about USMCA. We've got some great partners to the south in Mexico, some great partners to the north as well. And this just continues to drag on. Nancy Pelosi has said it'll happen, but those days are quickly dwindling. This all works back into the public impeachment dynamic. Me as a a non-political analyst in commodities trying to parse the words says bottom line is we're not going to do anything between now and the 2020 presidential elections except impeach President Trump. So that means don't expect a lot to get done. I hope I'm wrong by saying that, but that's my fear. I know that former Ag Secretary Vilsack was here today, and he thinks USMCA will get pushed through just because of the pressure. I hope he's right. We certainly have been pressuring in, in, in my side of the equation, uh, talking to the senators, talking to our legislators, signing petitions at places like the uh, the Husker Harvest Days, that massive petition that everyone signed right next to your building. Agriculture's done what it can at this point to get USMCA passed. It's really up to D.C. All right. Well, stick around. When we come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about Tyson Foods, their earnings. Of course, we know the issues with Dean Foods as well. How much of an impact is that going to have? We'll take a look at the rest of the livestock side of the market action. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell in Kansas City on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo continues to join us here in Kansas City at the NEFB convention. We left talking a little bit about uh, Tyson. They had that announcement with their earnings. I know that they've had issues, you know, the Holcomb, Kansas plant, all the other things that are factoring into 2020. But what does their information mean for the cattle industry for those that have doings with Tyson? Yeah, it's a really good question because I think it's mostly optimistic, and I think that's why at the time that we're recording this uh, this final bell uh, with 
thanks to Fontenelle Seeds, we're looking at a Tyson stock share price that is extremely high on the day. And I don't play the stock market, so I clearly don't have any stock in Tyson or any other company for that matter. Um, but their their outlook was pretty optimistic, Susan, and they're looking at you know pretty much two to three percent increase in uh, production for beef and pork based upon USDA numbers. But they're thinking that can be absorbed by the export market. That's nothing but good news if we have extra production that goes straight to our customers around the world. That's That was a big piece of news that I was really happy to see. And they're looking at pretty decent returns for 2020 in beef and pork. I think their uh, text of their actual quarterly numbers were putting beef at a 65 to 7.5% increase minus any kind of impacts from African swine fever. Pork for fiscal 2020, they were looking at about a 6 to 8% margin in terms of operating margin minus African swine fever impacts. And so I think you have a bright spot, and I think it goes back to what we talked about in the earlier segment, is that if the hog market and the summer hogs especially can get into the $100 plus range and stay there for six or seven or eight months, that's going to be good for cattlemen. It's going to be good for hog producers. It's going to be good for poultry producers. And that's the kind of market we need. Wednesday was a great example of this. We saw the wheat lead us higher on Tuesday. Wheat took that all back on Wednesday. We need follow-through, and we need sustained high prices. And typically, that's what a demand market brings you. Unfortunately, we're still in that supply issue. So with the plant coming off being dark in the next 60 days, what is that going to curtail for the, for the way we see the trade? Yeah, USDA came out with a Q2 cattle, live cattle steer price of 117. We just came off of 127 plus April fat cattle. So I think there's a big premium in April fat cattle because of what that question, what you just asked about the Holcomb fire. We, we went too low, too fast. Now we're going sharp. We went sharply higher as, as, a, as a rubber band type, you know, reversal to the upside. But I think there is premium in the April to go ahead and hedge. Um, the weekly charts are extremely overbought. I would like to see those cool off. So I want to say that at this point, the cattle market is a topping market in terms of the early winter marketings and first quarter marketings. I, I'm, I'm more eager to get second quarter April hedge, though, as opposed to Dece or Feb fats. Any worries on the weights? I'm not real worried about the weights. We've had the cow slaughter really jump, and that's, I think, the majority of the reason why the weights. But I think that's coming to an end at this point. I think if we have a colder than normal winter also, especially 4 degrees in Salina, Kansas, and 2 degrees in Wichita, Kansas, that's not far from all the feedlots uh, that we have in our state. So I'm not real nervous about the weights going into a cold winter. Looking at Dean Foods and their announcement for Chapter 11, does that set the tone? for some aspects of this market or is it just going to be a, a blip on the radar yeah I, I i'm real i'm really ambivalent about that because you hate to see consolidation you know i'm a small agriculture business I, i'm a one-man shop i don't have any branch offices and so you want the smaller producers to make money just like the bigger producers and everybody be able to be in agriculture and not have to get out but i do think 2020 is going to have some consolidation because i think 2019 was the make or break year and while we did get some mfp payments at the producer level uh, i don't think the margins have been good enough for some of the ethanol producers and some of the dairies uh, that, that and maybe even some of the livestock people that we're going to be able to weather this storm a whole nother year so i'm real eager to see maybe um 
South America continue to have some weather problems, maybe bolster some of these prices and get some of these trade deals signed as well. Well, just like the cattle, the hog market did not fare as well for this Wednesday. No, exactly. And I think this goes back to, did you have anything to feed the bull because you have technicals overdone? And that's the nature of the beast in the fund industry nowadays, especially with algo funds and quant funds. They do have a big role to play in our commodities. And if you don't give them fresh news every day when prices are extremely high, they're going to tend to look at that and say, why not take the money off the table, especially if we have impeachment hearings that go on and on and on. Well, there were a few that were kind of optimistic that we might see this cattle market just continue, maybe on the cash side as well, to see those increases. But this is just kind of a a stopping point. Yeah, I don't think the cash market has developed enough to uh, say we can't keep going higher, but I don't think we've gotten high enough. I mean, Texas at 115 this week does not impress me. I'd want it at 125. Then I can start saying, okay, we've got a premium in the cash market. Most of what you and I have been talking about here, other than the hedging side of the equation, I've really referenced the Merck prices and not the cash so much. The, the cash is under value, in my opinion. It might be a Saturday trade again. Exactly right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Best way is to go to globalanalytics.biz and sign up for a trial or call me toll-free 866-471-2588. Thanks so much, Mike Zuzolo, joining us here in Kansas City. It is the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. You can pick this up as a podcast through our website at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe for your favorite podcasts. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.